0: This is I just spent like six minutes talking to nobody. Um, Good morning. I thought I was talking to you, but I wasn't. Now I'm talking to you. And I can see your comments, which is good. That's a fix. I still can't see who's watching. Uh, Why that changed? It was so easy. It was like right here. There'd be a little number with eyeball. I spent all this time telling you, although you couldn't hear me because uh, it was private, uh, uh, about how I went through all the preferences, tried to find that again, whatever. But the mic's working, right? It was. There we go. <laughs> I told you a story about that, too, because it's just going to pass. I told you a story about my keyboard and my other keyboard and my mouse, all sorts of stories. And it's like, why are there no comments? And then why are there comments on YouTube but no comments in my eCAM? Ah! Ah! Yeah. Thank you, Steve, for the reminder. I know. It's ridiculous. Uh, you would think it would be like the first thing I would check, right? I've, <clears throat> I don't know why. I have no idea. Um. So, all right. I want to talk about some questions. I want to talk about embarrassment and the word Lutheran again in a good way. I think – I th- I thought it was a good thing, but now I'm not sure. Like is, is me saying that the word Lutheran doesn't really have a meaning anymore, and so it's kind of hard to be excited about telling people about it. Does that mean I don't like the word Lutheran or don't want to or that I'm embarrassed of actually being Lutheran? Because if that's the impression I gave you, I apologize. That is not the impression I I intend to give. My my issue is that we should not be embarrassed of these things, right? We We should actually be very proud to be who we are. Our spirituality and our religion should be the most important thing in the entire world. We should be so ridiculously compelled to consider this the one thing needful that we would never even imagine being embarrassed of talking about. And yet we are, and I want to know why that is. And I know, I mean, I, my buddy who called me, and it, I, God bless him. It's a good conversation. Some of it's sin. and That's true. Some of it's sin. We are fearful, craven, selfish people who don't love what we have enough. We're discontent. Ninth tenth commandment, right? But is it wrong to then admit that? Like, I'm not. Are we not supposed to admit that and talk about that and like confess it? Is the only way to confess it like privately, or can we as a group confess it and like say this is bad? We repent, right? So, so I, I just don't know how you even have that happen if nobody talks about it, and that's part of the issue too. So, if if this isn't German, I mean, people who think this is about being German, you just you just insular lur lur. geez it's really not about being german but there's something about a midwestern passive-aggressive culture that really likes to keep everything under the carpet if it can right like let's not deal with it let's just say i understand that grandma's got cancer and it's like making her face fall off let's put her under the rug it'll be fine <laughs> right like that that's like our approach right and and i just uh that's what i'm done with right if if there's anything that i'm mad about i'm not angry i'm crazy cuz i'm absolutely done pretending the elephants aren't in the room anymore i'm just i mean i shouldn't say that word it was an s word that wasn't an f word that isn't what you're thinking forget it is what i meant to say forget it I'm, I'm done worrying about if you're offended that I'm wrong. <laughs> okay. So I'm wrong. But then I'm not going to know I'm wrong if we don't have like a, a real trust relationship conversation, public theology discussion in which uh, we're allowed to say what's wrong and, and then hash it out, right? Figure it out and not be like embarrassed about it I'm not embarrassed to be a confessor of the Augsburg Confession I am not embarrassed to hold to the book of concord of 1580 I am not embarrassed to believe the scriptures are inspired and without without error I am not embarrassed to know so far as a man can by faith that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead I'm Not embarrassed of any of that Why are we Why are we why don't we shout it? Do you hear, how much do you hear what I just said said? It's not said much by anybody. I mean, your pastor on Sunday writes a thesis statement about it, and you all listen and kind of nod your head a little bit, and then you never talk about it. And he talks about it in Bible study. He's cajoling, and he's working. And he wants you to care. But somehow, and I, this is where I think I'm just – somehow I do this really poorly. Good, good, good member of mine came up to me and said, Pastor, I love your Bible study. It's just so far over my head. (laughs) And she said it nicer than that. But it was like what she said was – I mean effectively she's conveying she did not believe she ever would have the capacity to say what I had been saying. And there's something there that's a failure on my part. I should not convince you by teaching you the Bible that you can't speak the Bible. Right? Right? I should not convince you that you can't remember the Bible. Now, granted, minor prophets, dear heavens, (laughs) I can't remember it. But shouldn't we walk out of that, like, knowing we can say something? And isn't that what the – oh, if I say this, do you know the six chief parts uh, mean? The six, like, things. There's six things that we should be able to always say and know, and, like, there's no question. We should know them and the best we can do is like force ourselves to memorize them and lecture on like the german poetry of luther's answers. <laughs> it's not that bad. But but um we're more tied to the german poetry than we are to the meanings. Ah. Why is that? I and I, I'm again, I'm trying to confess my own failings here, right? And and not in a way where I'm like proud of this. I'm not proud of of when a member of mine says you no, know, Pastor, that was amazing. I, I heard so much. I learned so much. I just don't know that I could ever be where you are. I'm not proud of that. you want not talking about where I'm angry. I'm angry at me, man. Golly. I'm not proud of that at all. And it's not like it was bad, right? It's not like what I said was bad. It's that somehow, and this this my buddy and I got into this, somehow. We have we have come to a point where in order to be a Lutheran, you have to have a college degree. Now, I don't mean like to go to a Lutheran church. You can do that without a college degree, but to be a Lutheran who really gets it, really gets it, you got to be like – and this is not true entirely, okay? I'm not saying this is a universal reality. I'm saying this is like how we approach it though, right? This is our, this is our mode of operation. Oh, you want to be a Lutheran? You need to come to class. When Paul made the guy fall asleep and fall out of the window, were they in class? I mean, obviously he talked too long. (laughs) But was it class? Was there such a thing as class for disciples? Discipleship? Is discipleship a really bad word in evangelicalism? You who are recently out of evangelicalism is I thought it was like a 1980s word, so I've used it a bunch, not really worrying about it too much. But is it like still out there as like this really terrible pyramid scheme like to be a disciple means you're like converting people? Cuz then it's like ah. Ah. All the good words are taken. They've 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 uncooled all the things that are in the bibles. And they've made them mean other things and this is so much ah Tangent. This is so much of what I'm actually wrestling with. So, if you don't understand what I'm wrestling with, what I'm talking about, I'm usually stuck in this re- in this thing, this thing that's English. That's my thing. English sounds made by Anglo's, who then stole this land. I guess they weren't alone. Spanish did it too. Uh, anyway. And like over time, this mush ball of sounds became this thing we call English. And so we say these sounds, and they have reference points to our brains, and we connect those reference points, and we know what we're talking about. And yes, this is from some postmodern language theory, although not really. This is pre-postmodern language theory. Postmodern language theory then says, therefore, there is no meaning. No, forget that. But if I say keyboard to somebody who has, you know, never heard the word nor seen one, and I can't point to one, they don't know what it means because the sounds don't have the meaning in themselves. They need a reference point. And we have to learn those reference points in order to communicate. That's what teaching your child to talk is. And the brain's amazing. It can learn this. But here's the thing that, okay, so then we're stuck with the reference points that these sounds make. And if all the reference points around us in the language we're actually speaking mean different things than what we think they mean, While we're talking to everybody else, they're not going to understand us. They won't understand us. They'll think we're talking about something different. When I say St. Paul Lutheran Church, the actual St. Paul Lutheran Church is not at all what some random person thinks I'm talking about. They think I'm talking about – now I can't think of the name of the stupid place now – Lake Wobegon. They think I'm talking about Lake Wobegon, if that much. If they don't have that much, they think I'm talking about a Roman Catholic church that isn't Roman Catholic anymore, but they don't really know anything about that. They're just like, St. Paul, that's what the Catholics would say. And that's it. That's all they get. And then you're just kind of Catholic, right? And then, without any meaning. And then, the, the flip side of that would be, those who have some semblance of connection with the more progressive wing of uh, of American mainline Protestantism as expressed in formerly Lutheran congregations. Otherwise known as, in my opinion at least, the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. Which means that when you say St. Paul Lutheran Church, they are like, oh, the Anglicans, <laughs> the Episcopalians, right? You who <clears throat> are really big on like… Equitable housing and um, gun control and, and marriage rights and stuff. Like that's what your church is about. There is no – I mean maybe after the last two years someone's like, oh, yeah, and some guy with a hammer, right, as if that's what it's about. And Lutherans think that that's what it's about, some guy with a hammer because it was all about the hammer, and he, he just went out there, and he was like justification. No, he wasn't. That's not what happened. Bah. So again, English. English. This, this language has been defined not by us, and we're stuck with it. And a lot of the words that we have redefined for ourselves in our personal insular jargon don't carry the meaning out from us. This is what echo was. If you liked echo, right, I'm still just on this trip Which isn't that I think we got to get rid of biblical terms, but it's that I do think that some of the terms we're using no longer are biblical in English. (laughs) And somehow we have to translate them. And I'm not talking this garbage, nonsense, heart translation voodoo, which is about mysticism and how we have to get rid of the meaning in order to make people happy. For Pete's sake, I'm talking about we have to actually translate it. We have to give people the meaning. So let's talk about the word disciple then, right? What's disciple mean? It's a biblical word. Matthew 28 says, go make disciples. How often you hear Lutheran pastors who are conservative, liturgical, say that and say, this is about making disciples. We make disciples here. We don't say that. Why? Because the word doesn't mean disciples in evangelicalism, what it means in the Bible. And so what did we do? We gave evangelicalism the word. Maybe we had to. But what do we replace it with? Kind of catechesis, sort of. Catechumens. How often do you actually hear guys say that, though? I mean They don't say that either. Bible class. <laughs> That's what we replace it with. So disciple. So are we not allowed to say that word? Or does that word need to be retranslated? Is disciple in English... Which I think it's still – that's not as far gone as as some. But it's disciple in English, the right translation of the Greek mathetes. Just because King James authorized some people back in the 1400s before Shakespeare was around to translate it, does that mean that that word is right? Or the only word in English? Because here's the good thing. Here's the thing about English. This is some uh, uh, bulletproof um, – Oh, come on, brain. Bulletproof Irba Mate Rainbow Tea from a local tea shop combined with a little bit of decaf espresso, uh, butter. It was, I said, bulletproof. So butter and coconut oil, a little stevia, and i uh, just going to top off here. Um, I was talking. What was I saying? English. Oh, like as, as, as frustrating as it is that English has been so predefined before us by the Reformed, if we're talking theologically. They were the first ones in the language, and so much of the language carries Reformed connotations. But on top of that, it's not only been by them, but the the movement of culturizing, modernizing, all this stuff that's happened in Western culture. I mean that's that's shifted the meaning of the language. English has always been a shifting language. It's a blobby shifting language. All languages do this too, except Latin. And even that, well, the reason Latin's dead is because it stopped doing this. So if you let your language no longer change to meet the times and have meaning anymore, it dies. So, like, you don't want to stop that. English is so good at this that it takes over other languages. It, like, it, like, blobs them. You know, in the past, it was sort of like you spoke one, you spoke the other, you spoke both. But English just sort of absorbs other languages, just grabs and pulls them in. It's been doing this for like centuries, and that's why it has the chance or is right now the global language, although German, I guess, is fighting, but I, English and German aren't that different, honestly. They're going to merge at some point. That's a guess. Um, but, but, but the result of this is that there is more voca- there is more vocabulary available to us in English than probably in any language in the history of the world. We have more ways to say the exact same thing over and over again, repetitively, without ever... Making the same noises one more time without ever what repristinating. There we go. Like, and this is why you don't like my writing. If you don't like my writing, by the way, the, my, my, all the like negative comments on my books is great. I love it. Are that I just I repeat myself too much. It's because I like English. <laughs> I just like English. It's flowery, sure. So we have more ways to say the same thing, and yet we're like, no, this is the only way to translate this word. The only one we're ever going to use Justification Only one we're ever going to use And if you if you translate it differently Then you've given up on the doctrine of the Bible And the article on which the church stands are false That's not what happened at Pentecost, man Like, I'm not talking Like, magical tongues here But, like, the sounds Don't matter as much as the meaning and I don't know that I have a good meaning for justification. Although, okay, so here's another one. This came out of this. This conversation was so good. I wish we had recorded it. It was so worthwhile. So my buddy, I'm not going to say it by name, but if you're watching, I'm not angry man. That was so good. Thank you for that conversation. Um, you said to me... Uh, Justification is one of the most pertinent ideas in the world today. It is completely part of everything that we do. People are doing it all the time. They're constantly justifying themselves and what they do. Yes. But they are rarely calling that justification or using the word justification to refer to it. They may in anger at someone else say stop justifying yourself. Although I would wager that like on the on the D twenty die roll, you know, of, of which words come out of their mouth at what percentage rate stop justifying yourself or that's there's no justification for that. That's on like the super, super barely ever said thing. Instead you have stop making excuses stop defending yourself. You're so defensive. Um, you won't take responsibility. Those are justification words. I don't know which one's really the best to go back to Diakosune with, for us. But I think we should think about it. Like, if I want to talk about what Jesus has done to someone who is it going to give me the time to make them come to class first and isn't going to give me the time to explain to them indulgences and dr luther's monastery experiences how do i get absolutely to their heart on that issue that I know they're doing all the time. They're constantly trying to defend themselves before God. That's why they're doing everything they're doing. How do I say Jesus did it for you? We are, I mean, I don't think this works. I'm just throwing it in the air right now. So, But defended by faith alone in Jesus works. That's my, def- and if you want to talk justification, this is still legal language. Defense? Make your defense, right? My defense is Jesus. Approval? I think excuses is kind of on it too. Not that Jesus is my excuse. It's that Jesus excuses me. Yeah? I have no excuses. That's original sin. I have no excuses. There are no excuses by works. There is only excuses by grace. Isn't that interesting? What that does to your like head when you say that? I, I've never said it like that before. It's brand new for me. I like it though. I don't know if it's right, right. I don't know if it's right. I don't know if it's the thing to say to someone to convert. I think resurrections a big, a big thing. We got to talk about that more. But like, this is all just me justifying uh, what I said last week, and then the clip that came out. And uh Brian, my my part time sometimes editor, um <laughs> he reached out and said, I'm sorry if I got you in trouble. Ah. It's gonna go with the territory, man. Um because when you're when you're lifting the carpet to see grandma and be like, hi grandma you still alive down there? Um <laughs> There's gonna be some people who are like really upset about what what might be under the carpet now I don't think that's what happened the other day but I think that's happened and is happening we don't like risk as uh passive aggressive midwestern Western European descended collegiate educated culture we don't like risk. And it makes sense, because if you live in a small fishing village in North Dakota, and it's snowing for 12 months out of the year, it's not that bad. But, you know, play with me for a second. It's snowing for a majority of the year, and your food is basically what you stored in the last three months. And there's only, like, 15 of you. You don't want to eat each other. You don't want to kill each other. So sometimes you just got to let it go. But... We're not good at letting it go. Sometimes you just push it under the carpet, pretend it's not there. Nah. Now see, grace should undo that. Grace, being excused by grace in Jesus, should allow us to tidy up under the carpet, bear with each other's burdens, honestly, forgive, all that kind of stuff. Um. Yeah. Oh, I was going to go somewhere else before I went off on not saying the word German. I can't remember it. Uh, what was it? What was it? What was it? I don't know. Good morning again, everybody. Welcome. That was a spiel, wasn't it? Um, ah, yes, Conan. <laughs> I'm glad we have Conan the Destroyer in the Church of the Oxford Confession. It's very important to have barbarian kings uh, be part of your <laughs> church body. <laughs> Uh, as part of the problem that America was born of the radical reformation and as such, uh, yes, that's what I meant. The reformed who are part of the radical reformation because they're sacramentarian. Sorry guys, but I can't, I can't fix that for you. You can, <laughs> you can stop teaching that Jesus isn't present and therefore stop communing with people who, because he isn't present, believe really whacked out things. The reformed English Henry Eighth, No, actually King James. That was after Henry VIII, who started this whole version of the reform that he liked, for not the best reasons, as you hopefully know. They're the ones who put the book into English, and as a result, they codified the language. There was no dictionary. That was the dictionary. This is why Lutheranism hung on so long in Germany so well, at least culturally. is because the first dictionary was Luther's German Bible. So, so yeah. And then... American Christianity, by and large, flowed out of this. There were Lutherans here, but they were always a minority. There were Catholics here, and they were always a minority. They're not now. That's interesting. Talk about a group that's figured out how to keep their culture together. I'm supposed to be drinking out of this. And I drank out of that. That was funny. I'll go with Hero. I mean, nobody knows how to, like, cult themselves like the Romans. Man. I'm not saying I want to do it exactly, but I don't know. They at least understand that humans need patterns. We've been like spending the last fifty years as as Missourians believing that humans don't need patterns, and like destroying ours. And now most of our kids who are still in church are in the churches of the new pattern that we borrowed from someone else who changes their pattern every generation. Hmm. So I'm not advocating that either, right? Like the idea is not to change stuff every generation. Like having a different Bible every generation is a bad idea. It's a really bad idea. I would rather we'd never really shifted it. But now we have, several times. So since we're there, I'm not going to say, well, therefore we must stay exactly where we put ourselves. What? It's like, you know... (laughs) You fall in a ditch, and you're like, well, I guess God wants me in the ditch. And maybe you should climb out of the ditch and then never move again. <laughs> and it's not going to happen either because sin's going to be there. It's always going to fall apart. I'm not looking for a panacea. and I'm not looking for utopia. I just want to have people hear what I'm saying when what I'm saying is what the Bible says. And I don't want them to be caught up in random stuff that's not what the Bible says that's tied to the words. I want to figure out. Figure it out, figure it out. Yeah, that's exactly what it is, Conan. uh I wish I was Conan. Such a cool name. Um, not really like for well, it's Irish, right? Uh, not not really like that, but like like Conan the Barbarian, right? Like like Pastor Fisk the Barbarian. Except I'm not. But um, I haven't looked at this one. yet. Is there a line as far as media we consume that contains violence? Oh, good question. I know many committed Lutherans who watch Game of Thrones. I'd be one of them. Uh, And uh, claim Adiaphra. Well, it's not quite how I say it. There certainly are problems with HBO's series Game of Thrones. There are certainly things that could have not been on the screen. Before I talk about that, I want to... I want to slow us down for half a sec, though, and make sure that we don't put ourselves in a situation where we literally have to sit in a cardboard box with our eyes closed and our ears plugged. And in the belief that somehow, by doing so, we're going to stop sinning. So the thing is, it doesn't matter if it's Game of Thrones or Spongebob. There's sin going on. And honestly, having watched Game of Thrones and then gone back like two years ago and watched White Christmas. I remember that vividly as a child, Bing Crosby. Man could he sing? Um that movie's uh disgusting. It has a disgusting sexual ethic and is evident and is made fun of. So the idea that somehow it's just the skin, right, and that we're avoiding sin when we're avoiding the skin. Now, granted, for males, right, you got this issue where skin is part of the uh, endocrine system <laughs> uh, that, that pulls your head in certain directions that your flesh definitely doesn't use the way they were created to be used. So you want to be aware of that, and let's, let's come back to that, okay? But the bigger issue, the far bigger issue, is believing that somehow you've managed to see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. When you just don't watch Game of Thrones, but then you – what do you watch? Do you turn the whole TV off? off? You never watch anything? Okay, so then what do you do? Do you read? Guess what? It's there too. It's there too. Maybe worse because it's not as obvious. Right? It's not as obvious. The thing about Game of Thrones and like the, I don't know, once every episode and a half, maybe every two flash of skin is like, it's pretty easy to be like, so honey, you're watching with your wife. So honey, yeah, this is awkward. Oh, it's over. Like that's pretty easy when the book is entirely based upon your discontent with your marriage and how this man over there in Amish land is so much more understanding. Or what's the what's the one my kids and family have been watching? Within Calls the Heart, a movie about a woman whose career has taken her away from any chance to ever get married or have a family and then is all pining after this other guy who's not really ever going to be there because he's not part of I mean like really? Like how is that not – The opposite of the Ten Commandments or life in a fallen world. So this is the other thing then. So maybe, maybe we're not supposed to pretend that the fallen world isn't there and we're not going to escape from it by never looking at it or engaging it or thinking about it. The question is what are you doing as you engage it and think about it? Are you engaging it? Are you simply having it tell you who you are? Do you have a worldview in your own head that's fighting back? So, is there a line? Yeah, there's a line each of us should draw, and we have to figure out where that is when it comes to which thing, if I allow it to be seen, or smelt, or heard, actually leads me into acting upon the sin. Right? If there's a line that does that repeatedly, then I should stop crossing that line. And that will be different for different people kind of the way it's going to be. Some guys can drink alcohol. Some guys can't. Yeah? So there is that freedom in grace. I wouldn't call it adiaphora. It's not quite right. I mean, it's true, I guess. There is freedom under grace to apply the Ten Commandments to your life. If there's a point where your application is publicly failing... Or when you can see privately it's failing, well, then confession, absolution, repentance, and trying different tacks on how you're handling it is all part of the game, right? I don't mean game, right? Part of the discipline. Now, Game of Thrones specifically, here's the thing about that. Um, Yeah, there's, there's every episode and a half, every two episodes, there is more skin than I needed. In my viewing of this amazing story of politics, human condition, heroes that would be and are so flawed that they fail with a little touch of fantasy thrown in, not sexual fantasy but like zombies, um, just for good measure. What that show was able to achieve in its diagnosis of the human condition, I have rarely ever seen or even heard a Christian speak about. It's like if Christians wanted to pay attention to the sinful condition of man and make a story about mankind and our sin, but not in a finger-wagging you're-so-bad-and-we're-so-good kind of way or we-got-it-all-figured-out kind of way. Just actually showing the flaws of human thinking and how it happens and the results that really occur. We couldn't do it like that. It was so good. I mean, C.S. Lewis in – and the great divorce does this a little. And, and, uh, um, the one with the demon, uh, screw tape letters, right? He gets inside the human head psychology of sin so well. But it's kind of, they're kind of, I mean, they're okay books. They're not exactly exciting books. This luck did it. Like you can see their humanity. You can see the virtue, which is built into the law, working on even the most wicked characters. And, and you can see the vice, which is, selfish drive even in the most virtuous characters and and that is to me worth watching and then you got to deal with okay so what do you do with the skin and i already gave you my answer it's pretty simple i have my wife with me and <clears throat> more or less i avert the eyes and then if the eyes averting is taking too long cuz the scene's too long and there's only one scene i remember I think it's the first season where it really was a long time, and it's too bad because, like, there's an important conversation happening at the same time, so you kind of have to pay attention and listen to what he's saying. Um, but, like, that's when, like, you just have a conversation. Or you, you know, Whoa, here we go. Here's a remote. Da, 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 da. Okay, whatever. Like, it's not as though that moment of temptation is different than any other moment of temptation out in the world. Someone walks by, oh, she's pretty, right? I mean it's not different ultimately. There's a good that's there and that God created beauty to be observed, and there's a bad that's there and that we want to take it and objectify it. I mean and and that's a selfish, uh, pleasure-seeking, only-for-me kind of thing, right? That is who we are. You're not going to stop being that. You need to be under the grace of Jesus. (coughs) where he has excused you from that in order that you might try to act not upon that. Act upon what you know is right. So are you going to are you gonna act more upon what is right by not having that flash of skin across the screen in this movie about human condition and, and actually a little bit of grace even? If that's going to help you, yeah, then don't watch it. I don't think we can condemn people for watching it because I will say this, with the exception of that one scene, um, that one time that was too long, most of what happens in Game of Thrones is not beautiful it's um it's not it's not like i don't know it's just it's just it's almost uh, how, how what can I compare this to um It doesn't glorify it as some sort of objectifiable thing. It's like it's in passing. It's like it was just there. And so, yeah, if you're a seventh grade boy, it's probably going to be a turn on. But if you're an adult, a lot of it's not even in that category. You know, it's like, what was the. I remember this as a seventh grade boy. This is weird, though. There's this shot, there's this picture. Um, yeah, I don't know if I want to say that. It's it's a historical picture of a war where there's a woman and she's run away and she's not got all her clothes on. Like if you see that as a man, you're not like you're not lusting. I mean it's just like there's just it's just not like that. Or you know, you see the um pictures of the the indigenous tribes, right? It's it's just And so a lot of what happens in Game of Thrones is in that direction. You want to talk about the real danger would be, I mean, man, the violence. And this is where I hear pagans talking about this now, and I think they're right. Pagans and Europeans, we are so hyper afraid of pornography, and we should be against it. We're so hyper afraid of it, we put it under the carpet and pretend it's not there. Well, you know, it's it's there. Meanwhile, violence doesn't matter, right? Fifth Commandment doesn't matter. And watching somebody get, like, decapitated, oh, well, that's fine, right? Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't – like, you can't watch that movie either. But if you're going to say you can't watch one, why are you allowed to watch the other? And then why are you allowed to watch the one where, say, you know, a child is rebelling against the authorities? Hey, Harry Potter, why are you – able to watch the one in which the Sabbath day is not remembered at all, right? Or the true God doesn't exist in this fantasy world that was made up or in this real world that we're telling stories in. At a certain point, you can't watch anything. So you have to be able to watch and you have to engage the watching with your six chief parts, six main things, six things the Bible really says, catechism, and then act according to that rather than what the world's telling you. And if what you're seeing is going to give you nothing to engage in a positive way with that catechetical religion of yours? Yeah, you shouldn't watch it. It's a waste of your time. Uh, um neither should you just go ahead and wallow in what's wrong with it. But that applies to more than just the sixth commandment, and this is the my my point I was trying to make. Like why is it that we only care about the sixth commandment? It seems to me that's the only one we'll really get upset about normally speaking. And we should get upset about it. We should not only get upset about it. Why is it that the um the big kerfuffle about antinomianism, if you are inside that baseball game, seems to only be calling out that issue. Like, aren't there a bunch of other things we're ignoring too? That's that's kind of my deal. Shouldn't we not ignore any of it? So, yeah. I I, I don't know, though. I mean, here's the thing. You just can't say, well, whatever. It's all audio. No, that's, that's irresponsible. If you're not thinking it through, engaging your spirituality in what you're absorbing from any media, forget just movies, any input you receive, that includes the breeze. If your faith's not active... With knowledge of the word of God, it's jeopardy, man. It's grand jeopardy. So cavalier is not the answer. Nah, ah, that's interesting. We could. There's a lot more we could say about that. Um, that was enough there. Um. <laughs> uh, I have not watched the last two seasons. We we didn't get the second to last season because it was short, and we don't pay for HBO all the time. We like. Used to get it for a month and binge, right? And then we kind of stopped watching TV, um, mostly. Uh, Stopped watching movies. Not for any moral reason at all. It's just a matter of time. Time and bedtime and sleep science, blue light avoidance before bed as possible. Um, That kind of thing. So we got a couple series that we're – my wife and I are – we're out on the – we're out of the loop. Uh, uh, man, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? I'd love to see the rest of that. Uh, but, so I have no idea. I I, I do know. I don't want to know. Don't tell me. Uh, I, I do know, like, people were upset. All right. I mean, have you ever watched a multi-season series and been happy with the ending? I mean, how many? Sons of Anarchy? No. Justified? Uh, I know some guys who liked it. I really thought the last scene was stupid. Um... Uh, Sopranos. Uh, You know, it's just lost. We can't end stories in this civilization for some reason. Ooh, I almost mentioned football, and then I didn't. (laughs) So I don't want people mad at me. Because I'm not against, I'm not against it. Um, But I know people are, and I think that their arguments need to be taken seriously. Yeah. Why is Game of Thrones any worse than football with its cultist traditions glorifying sex and violence? The excuse for watching sports can apply to other media. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. So it's not just football then the way you're saying it, although I think think it's interesting some of the uh, medical concerns that are arising in the football arena. It's weird though because in in things like football we've also found a path for warriors to be warriors without killing each other and you know we have the the Coliseum without having to murder slaves and throw Christians to lions. So I'm like, well, it's better <laughs> and if these guys are are wanting to do this with their lives, um, it's entertainment. Uh, how is that different than say uh, oh, what's his name now? Oh, the, the Tommy, Tommy boy, uh, the big dude who like killed himself with drugs and all this. You know, how many, how many comedians that we laugh at and we still laugh at are, uh, you know, and they're making a living on their pain effectively, right? They're making a living on their pain, you know, so yeah, this is, this is my first point. Like if you start saying, well, I can't watch that because of sin, dude, for you, that's fine, but you can't make a law about that for the, um, for the world because then you just have to go crawl in a hole and die. And if you think, no, I can go over here and I'll be – no, you the, the, then you're more dangerous than everybody else. You're never going to see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. It's going to be there. You need to stand upon grace and fight it in action, right, on the field of battle. Um, Cultist traditions. Yeah, so – I plugged in my heating pad for my feet, and I didn't turn it on. My feet are freezing. Um, no one's embarrassed of their football team, even if they're embarrassed of their football team. I keep making fun of the Bears fans locally here because I guess it's been a bad year. I don't, I don't even know. But they talk about it, so I just poke them in the eye. Uh, and, you know, generally speaking, I care about football this much, Uh Whoever you're cheering for, I know enough to know who your great enemy is. And I'll be like, oh, yeah, go, whatever. And I'll say the opposite just to like poke you in the eye. And then once a year, uh, our family will usually enjoy sort of uh, – not last year because <laughs> it was terrible – the uh, Super Bowl, whatever. But the, the, the loyalty that people have to their sports team. That's what I'm kind of after here. I'm I'm asking, why are we not that loyal to our religion? And there's a generation who are mostly dead, but they're still here a little bit, who were that loyal to their church body. Amazingly, they... Don't have uh as, as a as a general rule a strong understanding of Reformation principles um, sometimes they do <clears throat> and sometimes they'll have some of it. They do tend to have a very strong biblical piety uh, but you know if you were to say indulgences, they might not know good chance uh so that's interesting but they were they were loyal that's why they're still here but are we how loyal are we to our to our body to our congregation and by congregation what do we mean see this is this language thing we we when we say congregation we don't mean the lord's supper on sunday i guess even though that's what we're congregating around right that's not what we mean we mean you know, that building and the however that all happens that thing that big group of people thing, that visible organization, which is part of being humans and, and part of being religious humans. So it's not like it's wrong to have that thing, but that we don't distinguish that thing from the real thing other than like with the word worship, right? which isn't even our word. <laughs> Talking about a bad reformed word. Uh, you know, uh, eh, this all came out of, again, you know, the – I watch the Bears fans and the Packers fans here, and they're nice to each other. But I mean, man, they are they are loyal. And I just I just don't think we're loyal as uh American Lutherans. I don't think we're loyal to what we think Lutheran means, or what Lutheran ought to mean. I want to be. I want to make us be so. That's why I'm talking about it. Um, you don't go to church to get pumped up in the same way you go to NBA game. I loaded Christ on about emotionalism. Agreed, but it's not without emotions either. It's bigger than emotionalism. That's why I mean. So I I would say it's it's like it is apples to apples here when you're talking about commitment. Like when people say, "I can't." Do this thing, church, whether it's the worship service or like a meeting because of managing the organization. I can't do this thing, church, because what? Vikings. Where's the commitment? And it's not that you can't be committed to the Vikings, although I don't know. I saw a flag the other day. I was like, "Wow, they're Vikings fans." (laughs) Um, How do you see a Missouri Senate flag flying in the front yard of somebody? You know, like like that's. um, I'm not saying that's what we should do. It's interesting though. So, so what do you see? You do see, you know, mystical, superstitious Roman Catholics putting little statues in their yard. What do we do, Lutherans? No, we hide it. We don't even put it on our walls. So commitment. It's not that you can't be committed to sports at all, but currently the zeal with which people are committed to sports is the zeal that religion would, you would think religion would entail to some extent. And it's not like, I mean, duh. If you if you read the history of Christianity, like this is what we're doing all the time is not being zealous for our God. I mean it's just old Testament Israel is just constant. And the New Testament church has a pretty similar sort of ooh, oh, down, ooh, oh, down, 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 reform down. You know, so every generation we gotta face it. We gotta deal with it. But you don't deal with it by saying, Well, it's not there. We shouldn't talk about it, you know, you traveler of Israel. Ah <laughs> uh, yeah. Um. When I was talking to my buddy, I I um we're talking about language again. I had this thought, and I was, I'm gonna throw it out there. So, like, we good Lutherans, like we we good, curmudgeonly, you know. Super conservative Lutherans. We'd get pretty upset if some pastor in the church body started calling himself coach. Right? Like, I'm not your pastor. I'm your spirituality coach. Like, we'd get upset about that. We'd like throw a fit, write blog posts, do podcasts, be angry. Because coaching is like life coaching and it's just annoying and it's not in the Bible. Sure, not really entirely in disagreement with the concern. But here's the the crazy thing. You think about what the average high school coach does and is able to do with a group of high school kids and parents. You think about what a professional NFL coach does and is able to do discipline-wise, with his team. And then you think about what the word shepherd means in the Bible, which we translate as pastor. And isn't it funny that as much as we're going to rail against the word coach for being squishy, it's actually a much more disciplinary, powerful, demanding position in our society than, well... The average pastor, I find that fascinating. I think it does still sound like a squishy word, which is interesting. Squ- coach is a squishy word, but what coaches do when they're good coaches, when you're playing club volleyball, I mean, that ain't a squishy position, man. And and talk about like you're under the uh, you're under the oversight. Overseer, right? Bishop, episcopate, word for pastor. You're under the oversight of this individual and they are charged with your discipline. And they take it seriously. And forgive me, but the word pastor does not convey that information at all. Nor do most pastors have the freedom to actually try. Too busy having to, what, be the MC of... Happy Sundays. <laughs> you know, Trying, I don't know, I don't know what our job really is. Mm. You could really take that out of context. I mean, what the expectation of the pastor is from the general sociocultural club climate within Missouri Synod congregations. When everyone says, He's hey, the pastor, what do they think he's doing? Right? What's his job description? Funerals, weddings. I'm sick. Come pray for me so I get better. He talks on Sunday. We have to listen. Um, is there more than that? Right? I mean, is that well, that's the job description. That's why I don't pay us well. <laughs> is You think we don't do anything? And some guys don't. They figure it out. They're like, oh, yeah. Oh, okay. I don't, I don't pay me well anyway. I'm just going to do nothing. <laughs> but I, I don't think any of that's biblical or good. Yeah. I don't want to start calling myself coach at all. I've got stupid sounding. But I do think that the commitment, which a coach expects of his team, is a commitment that a pastor should preach about his flock's faith. Yeah, I do think that. That's crazy. What are you saying, Fisk? You're nuts. Uh, random question. Really. What do you think about the guy who went to preach the gospel to that isolated group about a year ago, and they killed him? Uh, so he seemed like he was excited about our team. Yes, it's kind of amazing. Uh, so the story, if I recall, is there's this little island off of India, where there's this tribe of people, I think it's like a couple hundred, maybe max, who basically are like Stone Age bow and arrow. People and they kill anybody who comes near them. And the government of India, at some time ago, decided, like, well, we could take our guns and kill them all, or we could stay off the little island that doesn't matter. And so that's what they've done. And this guy, Christian, he decided he was going to take them the gospel. I did this on his own, to my understanding, and without any training. Not that the training we would give him would necessarily be better, but there's something about an, there's, there's something about a zealous arrogance that we should just be aware of. Running without being sent is dangerous in more than one way. Um, but he went, and he's in his little boat, and he got up there, and I think he had a Bible with him. They killed him. They shot him with an arrow. He's dead. He was like in his 20s, American, right? Um, what do I think about that guy? God bless him for his fearlessness. That's the first thought I have. And then my second thought is, gosh, I wish I'd had a chance to talk to him before he did this. Because I think if you're going to do this, you'd do it better than just showing up on a in a boat with a Bible in your hand. That is um, – that's foolish. Now, sometimes it's the foolishness works. I mean, you got these marvelous stories about Saint to go and you know destroy the tree that is the idol that everyone worships, and then suddenly they all worship him, and he's like, "No, no, it's Jesus," and he tell, you know converts them all. So yeah, cool. God can work through all of it. Maybe this is how He does. But I think, I think having a plan's not a bad idea. And so I was, I was saddened by that. I was like, oh, like that, all that zeal that he had, um, it would have been cool if he had a little bit of order to that zeal. And then the other thought is, and of course he probably was just a Baptist. So all he's going to do is teach them works righteousness anyway. So <laughs> I don't know how to feel about that or say what to say about that at all. You know, I, I. But I think you talk about not having zeal. Um, so many pious, committed Missouri Synod Lutherans who love their Bible are freely willing to say that someone's a good Bible teacher because they're always just teaching what the Bible says. When that person denies baptismal regeneration and the Lord's Supper, I had this happen recently, and I pointed it out. And it was like, oh, yeah, well, he doesn't teach that part. He's wrong about that part. As if that was just a corner of the Bible. just a little tiny corner over there. And not kind of the whole thing. So – when Jesus says uh, you travel over land and sea to make one disciple and when you're done you make him twice the son of the devil as yourself, I think we should all take that very seriously and be a little worried about any mission work we decide to do on our own and any mission work done in any form of heterodoxy and our own potential heterodoxy that we should always be afraid of and so therefore constantly in repentance of and seeking to bind ourselves back to our actual confession, which is what the scriptures ultimately say, right? So so that's what I I think it's just, it's sad. God bless him, though. I mean, the he's a martyr at the end of the day. I mean, maybe he was like a Trinitarian heretic. I don't I don't know. In which case, he died for an idol, right? So, I mean, people die for idols too. So, but his zeal, you're right. His zeal was was good, if slightly misplaced. Uh, zeal without knowledge, Luther, at least apocryphally. Zeal without knowledge is. Fire without light. Knowledge without zeal is light without fire. Not a big sports fan, but one draw to live sports is the outcome is not written into the script, says Jeff. This is rare. Yeah, fair enough. Although, I don't know. The NBA, at least, uh, a lot of talk in the last years about how the outcome is pretty foreordained. But, you know. Uh, Titus says, uh, I'm talking about, if I'm talking about sports, video games, movies, TV, church, fellowship, I think I'm wasting time I could spend growing in faith. Wow, that's very, that's pious. But it's actually heretical. May I tell you why? Do you know what you're denying when you say that? Know what you're saying doesn't exist when you say that? Creation. That's an antinomian statement. God bless you, Titus. I don't. I don't. I'm not mad at you at all. But I want you to see this. As antinomian, you're denying the order of creation that it exists and that it's of value. And that the only thing of value is salvation. But see, salvation is saving the creation, which means God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. The creation is saved. Is it still sinful? Yes. Are we still capable of abusing it? Yes. But we're not going to stop being creation. He wants us to continue being creation and to continue enjoying creation. You might as well say as well, you know, I shouldn't bother cooking good food. Which, would you do that one? I mean, if you're going to, if you're going to go this route, go sit on a, on a pole in the desert and stare at the Bible all day. They tried that. It turned into a really weird series of centuries, so I don't know why I recommend it. The answer is not asceticism. And the answer is not to believe that the only knowledge is Jesus. It's the only knowledge you really ultimately need. but it's not the only knowledge. The knowledge of Jesus is a redemption of the rest of it. And the gift of the Holy Spirit is the freedom to forgive and stand in the midst of the rest of it, loving it, not in an idolatrous way. As a gift from God, all things are good if received with prayer. Yeah, that's Paul. As a gift from God to be shared with others. So if you love theology, awesome. Study theology. Talk about theology. That's awesome. Do it. But don't tell people that they're wrong for loving sports. Or loving games, or loving movies, or uh, loving their their yard, right? People, I mean, housework, whatever, whatever, sewing, right? All of it. How's how's Luther say it in in the first article, right? Um, uh, body, eyes, ears, hands, all my senses, members, all this stuff, right? Uh, House, home, good neighbors, government, all this stuff, right? It's good. This is this is your 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 comment. The same comment that in Luther's day was telling people you can't be a politician, is you can't be a duke and be a Christian. You can't um, go to the military. You can't be a policeman and be a Christian. You can only do spiritual vocations. No. no, 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 no. What you sh- what you must do is never elevate the created things over the uncreated things. You should never have your salvation. As part of creation, let creation become more important than the salvation. Or think the creation is the path to salvation. That's all paganism. Every single form of false religion is believing that the creation itself holds within itself the ability to save itself. I am God. All that kind of garbage. So, you know, it's good. It's pious. It's zealous. But i careful. You're being saved to live here. Here is good and a gift from God originally, and even with the thorns, it's still good. The only thing that's not good is us and our use of it, which has tainted it. But it's it's there. So, hope that helped. Ah, um, and your concern is entertainment or the truth. Why is truth not able to enter? Or why is entertainment not a matter of truth? I think it is. More than that. I think it's more than just a matter of truth. What are you, what are you watching me, man? This entertainment. The, uh, I'm trying to use those things for a good purpose. Look, I used to feel super, super guilty about playing games. Any kind of game. But I, I I like video games. I don't mind tabletop. Tabletop's good, too. I like cards. Okay, fine. I used to feel really guilty about that. and. I knew I was forgiven, right? It wasn't wasn't a matter of like, oh, you know, um, I'm not going to be saved because I played Mario Brothers, right? It was more like I'm wasting my time. I could be doing something better, right? And the guilt was on that. And about that – not about that. As I was having this thought one day, and I don't know. I was sitting down and resting. I should feel bad about that too. Better get back to work. Protestant work ethic, right? That's godless. Um, I was sitting down and resting. I was watching my two-year-old, who's now my 14-year-old, my oldest. I was watching her, and she was on the floor, and there was one of these puzzles in front of her that is like for two-year-olds, right? So like, it's got like 10 pieces, and they're cut-out wood pieces that go into this thing, but they have a shape. It's like a dog and a cat and a frog, right? They have little tiny buttons on them that you can pick them up and put them down, make it super easy, right? And I was watching this two- or this three-year-old, she had to be two, play with this piece of wood, this puzzle. It's a puzzle. Okay, hold that thought. And then she didn't do what I would ever do, at least now, which now what would I do? I would take all the pieces. I would put them in. I completed the puzzle. I need a tougher puzzle. You know, that, that that would be what I would do. Nope. She had all the pieces out, and she had one piece in her hand. And she took that one piece, and she put it into the right spot, and it took her a second and went in. She didn't let go. She took it back out and put it in the pile, let go. And she picked it up, put it back in the spot, didn't let go, pulled it back out. Set it. She did this like ten times. I got tired of watching. Same piece over and over again. She did not think she was practicing Um, hand motor coordination she didn't think that she was playing she was playing with a puzzle and yet in her play with a puzzle God had established the created order to prepare her for life to use the gifts she had to their fullest extent at the moment they were in to hone them In order to use them again later in other ways. Same girl today. I watched that kid draw. Same hand. Marvelous. And at that moment, I thought, okay, so if a child's play is always able to prepare them for a life of love and service to the neighbor... In spite of their sinful condition, which you want to talk about selfish. <laughs> you think you're selfish. You look at a two-year-old. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, then then why is it wrong to see that within our vocations as Christians, there are elements of rest, relaxation, leisure, and fun, play, puzzles, which uh, prepare us also, hone our skills, continue to keep us sharp and using the various loves and gifts that we've been given by God in the created order in such a way that they stay able to be used later. And so for me, I was able to say, oh, so the, the reason I want to play not Mario Brothers so much as, say, um, Fallout 4, uh, is because I like puzzles, because they're hard and they challenge your mind and they make you think and they give you a little bit of an excitement when they're completed and you can... Continue on, right? And try harder and all this stuff. Which is exactly what I then go and do the rest of the week in real life. Exactly the same thing. Only I can't win that one. <laughs> I can't win the game. Um, I would say that sports is the same thing for people. So you got the individual who like, like they love their team. They listen to all the chatter. They're following the trades. They're looking at the stats. They're cross referencing and com- <laughs> they're cross referencing and comparing. <clears throat> I need a new one of these. Look at this piece of junk. Piece of junk. They're cross referencing and comparing. I gotta make you like I have to hold this or I have to make you wait for the answer. They're cross referencing and comparing everything. And I bet you, I bet you money on the dollar that during the week they're doing the same kind of work. Yeah, they're doing the same kind of uh, not necessarily like hard math. But, um, information management with a goal, some form of network control, yeah, am I wrong? Or, maybe they're not the stats guy, maybe they're really big on the coach and how he's handling the team members and what's going on in the locker room, Something tells me that guy works with people. <laughs> you know? it, 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 So uh, I threw my tissue away. Oh, I got a box in here. How clever was that? Uh, so our leisure is a reflection of our life. Why do we idolize the leisure at times? Because we can win or we think we can and so we will escape from real life into the leisure and that's dangerous it's absolutely dangerous but the problem is not the leisure the problem is not the sport itself the problem is our overemphasis on it that that that's that you know um why are people so given over to entertainment now in such an idolatrous way, why do we think – I'm going to ask a different question. Why do we think that we haven't always been like this in some way, shape, or form? Why do we think that the guy who worked his farmland from dawn to dusk wasn't also an idolater of that in some way? Whatever you are doing as a human in the created order can be sin or can be righteous. And it has everything to do with whether Jesus is your excuser, <laughs> whether he's excused you from the the punishment. Whether you believe that, and then when you believe that, you're able to call your own idolatry what it is. So you're a little less worried about everybody else's because you're pretty busy being frustrated by your own. As you try to turn your own actions in the creation to benefit others rather than just yourself. I mean, if if your whole point about studying theology is just to, because you're just gonna, you're you're more righteous then once you've done it, right? I mean, think about that. Like it's wrong to do all this stuff. I'm I'm gonna just just study theology, then it's right. just that's self justification, man. Um, and if you don't think you have any of that in you, I'm not accusing you alone, man. We all got we all are doing that constantly what we don't want to do is start saying we aren't all doing that and we can find a way to stop doing it no we want to always be in a state of knowing that's who we are and striving in repentance against that so that we don't make up laws that aren't laws christians can't watch football or play football that's that's just a made up law right like what christians should do is be committed to christianity more than football that that would be the bigger issue and and honestly again back on the coach talk i mean what christians should do is want their pastor to oversee them the way a coach oversees his team I'm not talking fifth grade you know flag football i'm talking actually even that's probably more serious than church Uh, yeah, um yeah, thank you for taking the wisdom, Titus. And oh if it is, uh, you know, taking the words and not not getting personal with it. That's great. Um <laughs> especially while playing Shadow of War. That's funny. Um oh goodness gracious. Jordan just read the Large Catechism. Fantastic, Jordan. Uh uh it's really good. And Artis right, says fallen selves are always seeking idols That's the truth. Let's see here. Another t-shirt idea. You know, speaking of t-shirts, dude, I ha uh, I have so many things I want to put on t-shirts. So if you're like really into a simple if you think you'd you'd like to help out with what are ultimately very simple things um to make lots of t-shirts available, lots. Uh like art ones would be really cool too, but this is this is actually even simpler than that. Uh I'd love to have some help with that and it would even be willing to pay. Um, pay you. Not a lot because it's not going to make a lot, but I'd be willing to pay you for the work. So, uh, refist.com slash contact if you are interested in that, but you'll have to get me to trust you, so that's important too. righty then. Um, Isn't that part of Calvinist reform work ethic thing? If you work really hard, you... Yes! Well said, Alfredo. Uh, it is. Yeah, the Protestant work ethic is ultimately idolatry. It's exactly right. It, because to know that you are really one of the elect, you have to have a life that shows... Faith and faith only shows itself in works, and works are going to be the way you prove yourself. And so, yeah, yeah, you get busy, get busy. That is exactly right. All right, so I have a bunch of other what time is it now? How much time did I waste? Um, <laughs> I have a bunch of questions. Can you guys see that one? I hope you didn't see that. That would have been bad. Oh, no, yeah, good. Oh, wait, come back here. Yeah, there's a I got to try to – I never even talked about Dvorak. Let's see here. Let's do this. First shoot. Hit return. Nope. Hit number one. There we go. Uh, We are going to come back here, come over here. Can we do it? Come on now. Come on now. There we go. Oh. I started the morning with tech, right? Look, there should be a camera here. I I fully do not fathom that. Can you hear me? This happened last time. Like, does it mute me when I go there? I'm gonna talk. This is ridiculous. Test test talking talking. Can you hear me? What on earth? Ah. ah what on earth oh now i got a camera why did that change holy moly okay it doesn't say i'm muted am i muted you can hear me was my picture always there and then um and then i can't move my (laughs) go crazy Come back here. Why will this not go to a place that has that? For Pete's sake. Who's Pete? I do want to know that. Who on earth is Pete? All right. So let's see here. If I go to this. nope, that didn't do it. This. Oh, there we go. Oh, no. Oh, there we go. All right. So. Yeah. I got a number of comments uh, this week. I want to talk about, and this is one of them. I found this one really interesting. Thank the Lord, we still have pastors like Reverend Wheaton who delights in being a Lutheran. Why don't you just leave the LCMS and start the mega church you so desperately want? Then you can create the culture you want. I grew up a Slovak Lutheran church, so never thought the LCMS as being the completely German culture in which you seem to think all LCMS churches are. Slovak and German aren't that different. It's so funny. They're like they're like. We look at Africa, and we think it's all one place, right? And then we want to distinguish between Slovak and German. Um, It's Western Europe. Uh, Anyway, uh, my oldest is about your age, so I know all about your all-about-me generation. I've always been proud of being Lutheran. It's all about the scriptures and Jesus. Well, good. I'm glad you're proud of being Lutheran. It's all about the scriptures and Jesus. Because that is true, do you think the way you've spoken to me is what Jesus would have you do? Is it what Jesus would have done? This is my favorite thing about all of these kinds of comments. And why is it my favorite? Because the irony is thick. And I like irony. Because I like English. Because that's what I studied. The irony is thick. When you're going to go ahead and defend Jesus and how important he is with a bunch of hate and verbal abuse online anonymously the irony is thick I forgive you glad to do so I'm glad you're listening to Will Whedon too he's fantastic (laughs) um why don't I leave the LCMS because I confess what we confess and start a megachurch I don't want to start a megachurch um Create a culture. I'm not sure I want to create a culture either. I want to stop having the culture destroy the church. (laughs) Uh, uh, Yeah, all about me. Yeah, we're narcissists. I know. But the thing about your comment is it's like it's not exactly what – not narcissistic either. I just – God bless you. But but if you're going to try to convince me I'm wrong, this won't do it. This will convince me you're a jerk and selfish and don't know about grace. Because if you know about grace in Jesus, you're going to try to restore me gently. If you actually think I'm a false teacher, you're going to try to restore me gently, at least initially. And there's people who do that, by the way, um, which I appreciate. All right, now, next one. Pastor Fisk, with the world like Christmas being so much about gifts and the hustle, with a capital H, and bustle consumerism of the season, we have decided to give our children two gifts each. <laughs> This reminds me already of a chapter in a book called Broken about not plastic carrots. If you haven't read it, you might enjoy it. Um, I have reached out to the grandparents, aunts and uncles this year, and have requested that we do no gifts, just get together to eat and play board games. I'm smiling and sighing because I've been down this road. Um, To help safe... Save money and make less stress. I was wondering if you could talk about your thoughts and experiences of Christmas expectations on your Saturday morning chill. Hello, here we are. Uh, or please let me know the most Christian way to do Christmas with the big family. I know it's most right to attend Christmas service. That'd be the starting point. Yep. Uh, and uh, we do that. Thank you. Oh, I left your name on there. Webster family from Idaho. But double smiley faces means I think you don't mind. Um, So the thing to know about your plan is, is that everyone's going to hate your plan. (laughs) Just, um, I like your plan. Like, I'm like, I'm right there with you, but I also know that your family probably won't be. And there's a very squishy gray area between loving your family by maintaining the peace at Christmas dinner our Christmas present opening time and raising your children in the way you believe to be correct. That is not destroyed by, well, say maybe your family, right? It, it that's, that's a moving boundary. And, uh, part of it, it has to do with, you know, what's your actual payout from this thing? Yeah. Huh? Like, What are you gaining and what are you sacrificing? How much are you going to ultimately form your child's spirituality, life, and mind, even about Christmas, with three hours of crap, (laughs) Uh, versus how much are you going to form them by – Establishing three hours of really uncomfortable emotional passive aggressivism within the family as they try to accede to your wishes and you try to hold them tight, but nobody's happy because no one understands what's the what's the trade. And um, so, uh, and let me just warn you: they're going to get more than two gifts. <laughs> There's no one's gonna listen to you. So so at what point are you just fighting a losing battle? Um it would make sense to me, at least. To, I don't know how old your kids are. Um but what we would probably do, like in this scenario with this plan is instead of just saying, you know, they only get to give two gifts, our kids would be prepped for the month prior or more that they get to keep two gifts. They get, to, they get to go and be gracious people who receive everything that's been given to them, and they say thank you for it. And then they get to go home and honestly decide it's value to life. And we're not going to be tied up in some nonsensical moralism about if someone hands you something, you have to keep it forever. Or if someone hands you something because they love you, you have to keep it forever, regardless of what it is. It's just forever. Right? That's nonsense. That's idolatry. So I would say let the extravaganza be what it is, but then teach them the value of things. First in terms of saying, well, is this really valuable? Is it not? Then in terms of can I sacrifice things or not? Can I have something that I thought was cool, but I don't need it and let it go? Because I'm going to keep this other thing that's more valuable. Here's why. Especially if that more valuable thing is... For the team, right? For everybody. So, um, that'd be like my approach to your plan, knowing what I know, having kind of tried this. Uh, <laughs> but we, ours is more along the lines of, um, and this is, this has actually worked pretty well over the long haul once we got to this point it was like, uh, no plastic, <laughs> um, clothes, shoes, books, um, that kind of stuff, right? Give them, give them adult presents, even the little ones. Give them adult presents, no kids presents. Right? It's for the kids, but but like give them kids versions of the adult presents. Uh, give them things they need, and they will use. Uh, and that's that's come pretty well. Uh, so, but but then okay. So in terms of like the Christian way to do Christmas, right, so that That. If I might go back for half a moment, can I go back? Not very easily. If I might go back for half a moment to this marvelous little uh, um, question here about uh, creating the culture I want. See, that's what this question would ask me to do, and it's honestly what I don't want to do at all. There's no Christian way to do Christmas, like with the family. There's no there's no rules for this. You have the Ten Commandments. And your belief that Jesus has risen from the dead and we're celebrating his incarnation and God willing going to feast upon his flesh and blood as well. You have that reality and you have your family. And you, if you're a Christian, are to cling to both of those realities and put them into practice. So honor father, mother, love your neighbor as yourself. Um, understand the value of property. That'd be the seventh commandment, yeah. Uh, Understand the value of charity. That would also be the seventh commandment, and all with and under the belief that we are receiving a salvation of these things from Jesus. Knowing, of course, that everyone wants to idolize the other stuff and not Jesus, especially your kids, who are going to be like, "Oh, plastic! I want the plastic! Give me the plastic! It shines, right?" Or candy, 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 right? So, like, yeah, the idolatry is there in the kids, but you have to—you're not going to stop your kids from being idol idolaters. You want to teach your kids their idolaters and teach them to see their idolatry and teach them the pain of their idolatry, if you can, gently. Um, And then establish grace as the foundation for all of that. That's the Christian way to do Christmas with a big family. And sometimes that means uh, losing. Sometimes being a Christian means losing on purpose and then talking about it later with those who do understand. Few things will educate your children like having to sit through something that is uncomfortable and wrong, which afterwards you then – and and saying you have to hold tight here, sit through this with me, turn the other cheek, and then later saying, yeah, I was wrong. But at that time, we could not change that. And so what we did instead was we refrained from being jerks about it. And now we're going to do it differently where we are. I remember uh, – this is another great moment. I, too many moments about my 14-year-old. Um, <laughs> it wasn't just her. It was the two of them. So when we were in the St. Charles region, St. Louis area, we uh, we we attended one primary church. But every once in a while, we would, we would be somewhere else. And particularly as winter came, we were quite a ways away from the church we attended that we, we loved. Um, so I think it was – I don't know why this was. But there were other churches nearer to us we could have gone to. And I was just I knew one of them. It's like, okay, I know the guy. It can't be that bad. And and so we went one time. And uh oh, it had to be it couldn't be Christmas. It had to be summertime cuz he he was on vacation. He wasn't even there. And then it was like the week after VBS. And like so the service like the first 20 minutes of the service was the kids performing Bad rock and roll VBS songs in front of us, and then a really weird, not liturgy, liturgy kind of what blended worship kind of thing going on, and and I remember um, kind of glancing over, and I see my fourteen year old. I gotta see my fourteen year old, and she's she's like doing this, and like like she's got a twitch in her eye, like Father, what is – happening here <laughs> she didn't say it right it was just in her eyes and in the clench of her fist and i just went you know, if you can't see me like i just both hands up kind of the pastor sit down in, in the pews motion right when pastor says everybody sit i just kind of i shook my head close my eyes shook my head and then we talked about it in the car afterwards right but there's like like because what are you gonna do i mean get up a walk out i guess It wasn't quite that bad. It could have been, I suppose. But I knew this was like a church that my friend was a pastor at or acquaintance at least. I was like, I can't walk out of his church. That's like a fellowship issue. So so, teaching your children to navigate cultural situations that are bigger than your microculture family that you are – Working to establish, which you should if you have a family, and that's where every pastor, by the way, should be establishing a culture that believes the Ten Commandments, the Creed, the Lord's Prayer, Baptism, Supper, Forgiveness in the congregation. Uh, um, Learning to engage cultures that are different than your own without having to demand they submit to yours. That would be the Christian thing to do. Don't expect – I don't know about your family. This is not about your family. But don't expect pagans to not pagan until they stop being pagans. You're not going to stop them from being pagans by saying, stop paganing. Be like Christians who don't pagan, right? They don't know what that means. So somehow you have to walk into their pagan world, not try to change them. And instead, as one devoted to Christ, be different yourself without forcing them to be different like you, be different yourself and have the major difference you have be that you stand on grace and they don't. Because they don't, and you do. That's, again, what gets me about this other comment. I'll just say it one more time because it's so much fun. Like, we're standing on grace, right? Why don't you just leave? Well, because I'm standing on grace, and I think that we can repent and have... Good things come of acknowledging our weaknesses. I you know, call me nuts. It seems to be what the Bible says. All right. Got another one. Here we go. Let's come back and see. I've been listening to your Insularity podcast with great interest. Well, thank you. Not everybody has, but thank you. Uh, adult convert. I came for the doctrine. That being said, I found my original church to be different. It was never a welcoming place. However, there was and is a small remnant. Who are? I thought it had to do with the small town we lived in. My wife, a lifelong Lutheran, and that was her church home. Since moving away, we have talked about exactly what you have been speaking about. I do know that the Lutheran church we attend now is not like the one we left. I have noticed the pastors are intentionally open and friendly. In fact, we are greeted by the senior pastor at the door. Uh, he took us around and introduced us to members. That's a great idea, by the way. Parishioners, they were friendly and open. I'm not casting rocks at the old congregation. Pastor and I are good friends, he's a welcoming guy. He also is the only pastor, which does challenge you know, being at the doors on morning a little bit. He is, however, intentionally doing the greeting, uh, not intentionally doing the greeting, nor is anyone for that matter. I wonder if the intentionality of the pastoral team at our new church compared to the lack thereof at our altars has something to do with it. Curious about your thoughts. Um, yeah, so yes and no. Uh, intentionality is very much what I'm getting at. I don't know that greeting people at the door necessarily is like the answer. But it kind of is. Like you need an usher. Right? And we have them. Sort of. Um, and then we have greeting teams sometimes and all this. But like I guess I guess it is a thing though. So what would you expect at somebody's house? Like we should probably try to do that a little bit. Right? I mean or especially – isn't it interesting? Uh, so one of the complaints is – I guess like what I'm talking about is like, well, this isn't sales. You're right. It's not. So what, what happens in sales? Okay. So if I go to Home Depot, does anybody greet me? No, they don't. Uh, I walk in, right? If I go to, if I go to Kohl's, does anybody greet me? No, they don't. That's sales, right? If I go to the grocery store, does anybody greet me? No, they don't. Most places selling you stuff don't greet you. Who greets you? Restaurants that, While they are going to sell you something, they are providing for you a service called hospitality, which I'm pretty sure Paul even kind of says, like, like we should be hospitable. Uh, They're providing hospitality and they've applied the science of studying how hospitality works to the hospitality, in theory at least, so that they're really good at it. So you got that. Starbucks is interesting because. I go to a lot of different Starbucks in the world. So I kind of know what their game plan is. And it's always interesting how some Starbucks don't. Um, they're, they, they just haven't got their people doing it. And then some of them do. And one of the things they're supposed to do is they're supposed to greet everybody who walks through the door. They're also supposed to learn your name. They're supposed to learn your drink. They're supposed to know your name and drink, greet you and ask you right away, is that... What you want again today? Hi, Jonathan. Another quad shot this morning. They're supposed to do that. The ones who do do that, I said do do. Oh yeah, you didn't even catch it. The ones who do do that, those stores, I always want to go back to that store. Like that. That was awesome. The person who does it, they're never faking it. They're not like angry like what? Oh, hi, Jonathan. Your name is Jonathan. I have to memorize it, right? They're not upset about it. They're not afraid of it. They probably are an extrovert. You know, they've they've hired someone who's an extrovert to uh, to do that that particular job. Get the introvert working the machine, right? That's what, what there should where they should be. Um, then you have the ones where it's like there is an introvert working the machine, and another one who's busy at the window, and they they're they're good enough that they know someone walked through the door, and so I hear a good morning from the someone's head and their head is is the back of their head, right? As as they're off going somewhere else and you know I walk and stand in a line and I'm the only one there and it's 3 minutes till they get to me, which is fine, but like not hospitality. Yeah, not hospitality. I'm not exactly, oh wow, this person cares about me, right? No, they don't care about me at all. They're doing what their job says they have to do. Hmm. So, why am I sharing all this? Because Thinking about how people are received at your congregation is important, as the question points out. I don't think it's everything I'm talking about. I don't think it's just a matter of having the pastor there greeting you at the door. uh, It's interesting, though. What's the difference between the pastor greeting you at the door and then greeting you as you leave? I don't know any Missouri Synod pastor that doesn't do that. Like it's so written into the code. But there's an interesting – that's an interesting thought. Do you, you do have the hostess at a restaurant greet you as you leave usually, right? Thank you for coming. But it's not like handshake conversation time. That would be like while you're going to the table. It's at the start. That's a really interesting thing to think about. Why is that? Why have we flipped it? What's the reason for this? I don't think we could change it. That is so ingrained in our – uh, our our habits as congregations, right? And th- this is exactly what I'm talking about too. Like, so so if you're mad that I'm talking about this, like, come on, man. Why are you mad? Like, like here's this really idiosyncratic thing, super idiosyncratic. And I point out that we think it's necessary for salvation. <laughs> I like maybe not quite that, but you're, it's not church if you don't do it. Right, And and someone's going to say, why are you talking about things that don't matter? See, if you're angry that I talked about it, then it does matter. (laughs) It does. It's like it – because it – it's a weird thing that we do. Other churches don't do that. Is it a particularly Lutheran thing? The Bible doesn't say to do that. Why do we do that? Other churches don't do that. Not all of them at least. Catholics don't do that, I don't think. Uh, Evangelicals certainly don't do that. Pastor, you can't even get near a guy half the time. Why do we do that? Why don't we greet them when they come in? And I don't care, right? It's interesting. Maybe there's some science behind it. Maybe there's a way to make people feel welcome. That's awesome. Your question, though, and your point is that I think it's bigger than just that. It's bigger than just that. Intentionality by itself is sort of the word I'm looking for, I think. It is as though we have established a um, a culture of non intentionality in our nonprofit organizations, and it ranges from the way we govern ourselves, talking like intra intra house uh, constitutional stuff, uh, all the way to the way we decorate. That's interesting. Thank you. Good thoughts. On a completely different note, somebody else. I've been thinking about a lot about what it means to be a Lutheran, the idea of insularity. Oh, really? I'm not alone. Uh, I grew up a Baptist, became a Lutheran, Wells, 2007. I was 22. Felt and still feel like an outsider. I don't have a Wells last name, didn't grow up in a Lutheran household or go to Lutheran school. Even today, I feel like an outsider. Like my thoughts, concerns don't matter because I didn't grow up Wells. Yeah, interesting, huh? I joined because of the doctrine. God bless you. Have you studied the office of the ministry much? (laughs) Oh, oh, that was a sucker punch. (laughs) Um, uh, Stay tuned on that thought, by the way. Uh, The doctrine is amazing. Amen. Uh, The change from Baptist to Lutheran was not easy. I struggled with doctrine. So I turned to books by Luther, bondage of the will, also the confession. So you're educated then. What if you weren't educated? What would happen then? At some of the Wells churches around where I live now, North Texas, it seemed like doctrine just isn't a concern for the people there. Really? The Wells guys tell me they're so... <laughs> I'm kidding. Partly. You have the same problem we do, huh? It's not like everyone gets it, huh? Fascinating. Uh, Doctrine isn't a concern. Maybe I'm wrong or blind or something. I'm, I'm pausing again here. Maybe... Doctrine is a concern, it's just the wrong doctrine is what concerns everybody. And because we only use the word doctrine to refer to things in the Bible or official heresies from the ancient church, no one realizes that we have a ton of false doctrine just floating around. We just don't call it that. But we're so busy trying to make sure we teach right doctrine that we've never bothered to figure out what the actual heresy is that's like under our nose and destroying everything. Maybe doctrine as a word, and I like the word doctrine, I like the word dogma, I want all the words. But maybe it doesn't mean things written in a book that we have to memorize, which is how I think most Lutherans in the pew, that's what they think it means. They a define doctrine, stuff I'm supposed to know. That, that's what they think. As opposed to truth. Truth. Just by itself, don't even change it, it's just truth. Like ultimate Truth. My guess is there's all sorts of things people in the congregation believe are truth that they're committed to, which are not true. My guess is if you started calling that out, well, you'd have people mad at you. Um, doctrine is a concern. Truth is a concern. What's the truth they're concerned with? That's the question. What is the thing they're actually congregating around and for? I did go to an LCMS church. It was great. My father-in-law weren't, if my father-in-law weren't a Wells pastor, aha. So there was another motive. Um, uh, I was, wasn't was just recently married. I would have gladly joined there. They seem to value the doctrine. Oh, that's good. Good to hear. I don't know Messiah. Yes, I, I do. I've heard of that at least. Um, I, I guess what I'm saying is that for me, Lutheran means something different than it does for lifelong Lutherans. Yeah. What does it mean? This is it. It's a, it's a, it's a wax nose word. Lots to wrap my head around. If you've made it this far, thanks for reading. Yeah. And thank you for Videos Podcast for teaching truth doctrine. It's a huge help to me. Yeah. Hmm. Lutheran means something different than it does for lifelong Lutherans. Yeah. So, what good is a word that means whatever the hearer decides it means? That's postmodernism, and it's bad. We don't want words to mean whatever the hearer decides it means. How do you redefine a word or force a word to mean what you want it to mean? And I'll tell you, you're not going to do it by not forming a culture or by, <laughs> uh, by not having a, a, a media use of the word. That is so constant and present and branded that the whole area around you just starts to assume that new meaning. This is how the liberals, by the way, the progressives, this is how they do everything in our our actual politics. They just – they back up. They change the meaning of the words, and they just shout that for 10 years, and next thing you know, everyone thinks that now. And I'm not saying we should be deceptive about it. But I think we should be honest if we have a word that doesn't say anything, that it doesn't say anything. If Lutheran – if I could say the word Lutheran and everyone knew it meant, oh, those people who cling to the Bible, that's great. New one, as a Wells pastor, it's been interesting to hear what you have to say about LCMS culture and reflect on the similar struggles I see in my own synod. This is a theme, guys. Um, it has led me to be a lot more deliberate in clearly expressing to my people that the reason we come to church is for nothing less than the forgiveness of sins and word and sacrament. Amen, brother. Like, Why else would you be there? It seems like that should be obvious. <laughs> yeah. But if people want to believe it, I probably should say it out loud once in a while. Right? Oh, it's so true. If you want people to believe it. Oh, that's what you said. If if you want people to believe it, you should probably say it. Okay, yeah. I've said this before, but it's so worth saying again. Like the worst thing you can do if you want people to do mission is start saying go do mission. like Because by mission you mean go tell people about Jesus, right? So in order to get people to go tell people about Jesus, you're going to not tell them about Jesus and tell them to go tell people about Jesus. See, it doesn't work. You need to tell them about Jesus and then when they – believe in Jesus they will tell people about Jesus do you have to tell a Packers fan to go tell people they're a Packers fan and get people to be Packers fans because we're so great as Packers we better work harder on convincing everybody and this is how you do it <laughs> you just have a good football team and yeah Jesus is not a football team he's God we have a true God so yeah we should probably say it out loud once in a while right you're all immortals You're all immortals now. How how much does that change your life? Just for 10 seconds. What would be different today if you knew you couldn't die? Since you know you can't die, doesn't it at least shift the thinking just a touch? You can't die. You can't fall in the judgment in Jesus. You're free. You're free. You're excused. And yet, you're never going to make excuses. You're just going to rejoice in being excused so that you might do what's right again. Forever. I think people want to hear that. And I think we should say it out loud once in a while. And I think if you say it out loud enough, they might say it aloud from time to time too. Thanks for keeping an eye on what's important. I appreciate it. I. Not everyone agrees with you on that, but I uh, thank you. Uh, and uh, not being afraid to start a difficult conversation, you need to be having. Yeah, that's, that's kind of the point. Ah, uh, being afraid. Yeah, I'm just so done with that. I mean, it's just too much energy to be afraid. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm, I'm one of the most cowardly people I know. I really am. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a terrible cowardly person. I'm always afraid. I'm such an introvert. Uh, I, I cannot. I, uh, meeting people scares me. Okay? That's how afraid I am. And it's such a waste of time and energy. <laughs> and so, yeah, I've been working on it. And I'm not great at it yet. But but part of it is is right here in my closet with a microphone and a camera. I can't even see me. I don't even know who's watching right now. And just saying, you know what? I'm done. I'm done trying to convince the Internet to all agree with me and think I'm nice. What I'd rather do is be honest. I'd like to convince you of truth. and, Or at least that I believe there is truth worth knowing. That's why I'm a pastor. It's because I found some truth. And I thought, man, other people should know this truth too. This truth's awesome. And uh, I'm tired of letting all the other stuff make me afraid of talking about the things that threaten that truth. As I see it. So that I could what? Be liked on the internet? Not have somebody be mean to me and send mean emails? I mean, really? Because of these things, I am different. Oh, hold on! This is part of this part of a longer letter. I didn't want to include the whole thing because it did get a little personal. Um, my family and I are not are certainly not part of the society at our parish. Trying to bridge the gap between us by appealing to the thing which should be a common thread running through us all—the theology—only alienates alienates us further. Yeah. So, isn't that interesting? So you come into a Lutheran church because you found Lutheranism on the internet, and then you. Um, what's my time looking at? Oh no. We're over. Um you found Lutheranism on the internet, you come into a Lutheran church and you find out that you don't belong, and the reason you don't belong is because nobody cares about Lutheranism there. And so you try to like to you know, bring it up. Theology. And you say that word, theology. And like it's a bad word for everybody else. Like they think you you're actually kind of dangerous now. You said that word, theology, which is like the word doctrine, which means I have to have a book and know what's in the book. What if... Now, I'm not saying this is the answer to your your, your issue here at all, but I really do think this. Like, what if we just started saying the knowledge of God, or even knowing God, instead of the word theology? Knowing God. Because I'm pretty sure when Paul would say theologos... The people didn't hear a term in a book that they had to know and define as theology. They heard him say knowing God. Lutherans have good knowing God. Lutherans have the only pure knowing God. Ooh, that's offensive, isn't it? Um, You should be careful because there's a lot of false knowing God out there. My issues with English, man. My issues with English. Uh, and like, like we've let ourselves be defined out of the language. Um, to people who want to have the divine service at 8 a.m. so that the rest of Sunday isn't ruined. That was a real argument for keeping an early service. <laughs> yeah, it's pathetic. Uh, I'm some kind of nerdy pedant. Yeah, well, you probably are. Uh, <laughs> I am too. Uh, we just don't relate to each other. Yeah. And most aren't interested in relating, besides a handful who attend Bible class each week. I know because I tried. I've ceased trying. Yeah. Yeah, that hurts too, right? I get the impression, though, I could be mistaken, that we have a bad case of moralistic therapeutic deism. Yeah, that sounds about right too. We worship God and country and traditional family values rather than Jesus. Too harsh, perhaps? I'm willing to accept that I could be wrong about this, and the problem lies with me. Well, probably that too, I would imagine. It's never, it's never just the other guy. The situation is frustrating, however, because we joined our present parish partly for its reputation for being confessional and for the classical Lutheran education my kids will receive attached to the school. That's interesting. That's that's kind of odd. So you're there to teach classical ed and be confessional, but you don't like the word theology. Have you talked to the pastor? You should talk to the pastor. Um, Because I don't think that this would be like the agenda if the pastor weren't working on your team here. Uh, It seems like the people who were already there were hellbent on ruining things for which I came and for what to turn us into Methodist question mark. Well, yeah, that, that might be the truth thereafter. <clears throat> Methodism jives with moralistic therapeutic deism far better in the it's knowing of God. than uh, the Augsburg confession jives with knowing God. Eh, moralistic Augsburg eh, confession cares about the morals regeneration style therapeutic, Eh? Osberg confession doesn't care too much about therapy outside of the conscience being alleviated by the blood of Jesus. Deistic, well, not nah, truly a trinitarian document this Osberg confession. Even calling ourselves the church of the Osborne confession, it doesn't, it just doesn't. What do you say? I've thought about this as I'm I'm, I'm off topic here. Uh back on the last week's comment and conversation like like so. so what church are you pastor oh um Nah, i said it wouldn't work as an answer my, my, my buddy said i think this is really interesting he said you should just say saint paul lutheran church but don't worry about the name worry about this tell them like some truth right what do lutherans think don't worry about the word name or what, what's lutheran mean well don't worry about the name and then say something But that actually is part of my problems. So so the first thing I have to tell you is that we don't care enough about who we are to actually call ourselves who we are. Instead, we call ourselves something that does say who we are, but only in a way that you have to spend three weeks in a class to know. I mean, it's almost Gnostic. Kind of. So – I was thinking like instead and name name doesn't function here but like what what I want So when someone says, "Oh, you're a pastor." Yeah, I'm a pastor. Where are you a pastor at? Like I don't have a way to do to to make the jump here, but what I want to say is where I'm a pastor We eat the flesh and blood of the one true God in order that we might live forever. That's where I'm a pastor. How do you get there? That's the first thing. I want that to be the first thing he hears me say. I want to look him in the eye. Where are you Pastor? At the church where we eat the flesh and blood of the one true God in order to never die. Dude's not going to know what to do with me at that point. I will have broken down every expectation he has ever had of anything, and he might just run away. But at least he'd be running away from something other than some pretentious, like anti-piety. Ah, how to get there? Yeah, uh, your, your your issue here. Um, sorry, take us back to back to this. Um, your issue here is is well. Look, you, you still need to love these humans who. Are Christians, I hope, probably, one of the most underutilized and probably underbelieved sections of the Augsburg Confession is Article 7 and 8. Article 7 talks about what the church is, the body of Christ, Christians, gather around word and sacrament. We believe that one. That's the one we talk about. Article 8 mentions how when we do this, not everyone there is a Christian. And you can't really ever tell them apart except you can by their confession. But you're not really supposed to chase anybody away unless they're publicly really in error. But at the end of the day, there's going to be liars and hypocrites in the church as you see it, period. I'm not sure we believe that in practice. If we did we wouldn't be so surprised by some of this. But here's the thing then, that if that's true, then then isn't that a little bit dangerous to let a voters assembly choose everything then if you really believe that there's gonna be hypocrites in the church? What if they're a majority? Hmm? Think about that. And isn't it um kinda of, kinda of irresponsible? If you really believe that, to let everybody who says anything to you about anything in the church influence what you do as a church. Every reason that's given for what? Service times, like you said. Now I'm not saying that guy's not a Christian. I'm saying like everything somebody says should be assessed in the fact that well, he might actually just be saying this because he's a fleshly human being who doesn't believe anything at all, wants to destroy the gospel. Because there's some of those in this room. There's bound to be. And we're all forgiven by Jesus, and so we treat each other like we're all the saved ones, but we got to assess what comes out of our mouths <laughs> a little more carefully than just assuming we're all here in goodwill for the good of the the church. So your task here is to love to love the people who you do not connect with. To strive to not be alienated from them, even though they want to alienate you to repay good for the evil that you have felt. You say you're going cease trying. Well, so repent. You got to start trying again, my friend. Try in a way you haven't tried yet. Make sure you're talking to your pastor about it. And then, keep with me on this uh, this bit about what if we took all of our big theological words that are Greek And just set them in English instead. It doesn't quite work for Bible study, but that's already in English. Well, the Bible's not. Bible's Greek. Book study. (laughs) Um, Theology, I'm looking at that word theology, I'm just staring at it. You wouldn't want to call it theology study. Knowledge of God, knowing God, knowing God. Talk about knowing God. And how important it is to know god let's see what that does i bet you it does something that shit sparks interest what is this this is not a question this is the standard layout for a QWERTY keyboard with five extra keys for your right pinky Uh, This is a picture that I'm going to now move to the desktop because that is a picture of um, an article on a website I found that was marvelously intelligently about the study of keyboards. Keyboards. And uh, I talk about this in my podcast a little bit, so I don't want to overdo it here, but um, uh, this thing – is so poorly designed it might as well be the standard american diet (laughs) oh poke um the it is uh it is i don't know how to say it you couldn't design a torture weapon better than it's not just this one it's all of them a lot of it has to do with the placement of the keys not only in terms of which keys are where but in terms of then where they are with your hands and where they're supposed to be with how your hands sit. Mice actually have the same problem. All the ergonomic mice are going like this now. And I just – as I do that, it feels so much better the moment I do that. So I got to go spend money on a mouse too. Uh, well, that's what that roller bar is. I'm trying to get that roller bar to, to work instead. Uh, it's already had it. Uh, but the – so that the big the big like piece to come out of this though that you just got to know. I just I, – because all my pain is like here. Well – What's there? Okay, so you got this key that that pinky never uses. (laughs) Right? So now you're just wasting a home row key, which is weird. And then what does the pinky do? It does this, this, and this. And also possibly along with the other finger that's kind of your half pinky that is so weak it can't even come up on its own. Um, That one. So you're always banging around with those two fingers on these number keys over here. So your pinky is doing more work than your thumb. Your thumb, you're only using one of them, probably, and not the other one. Which is stupid. It's so stupid. <laughs> uh, and so, oops. Um, so that's why my pinky hurts, is because I hit this key, and this there this article had a study in this too. You probably hit this key 40% of all keystrokes. 40% of all keystrokes is delete. No wonder your pinky hurts, man. Jeez. So uh, all the things I need. I need a new mic stand. I need I want this keyboard. So there's a there's a number you can find that are really different, but the issue is part of it is the layout of the of the letters too. So I'm I'm trying to learn Dvorak. Just starting yesterday. I tried two or three years ago, and I couldn't do it, but it's because I kept using QWERTY, which is what this one is. QWERTY, uh, where is it? Over here. Q-W-E-R-T-Y. QWERTY. Standard American keyboard layout designed, I don't remember, 40s, 30s. Uh, questioned in the mm, 50s, and then through the power of the U.S. government, was never allowed to leave. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not. kidding. Um, so there's a number of alter- alternatives out there, and some are are cl- make claims. There's all this stuff, but the, the most famous one's called Dvorak. Uh, there's one called Maltron, I think, which is pretty cool. But Maltron makes uh, your right thumb, no, your left thumb hits E, which is the most used letter. Uh, hits E, which is interesting. But um, I don't. I don't want to do that for another reason. So so anyway, so Dvorak is not named for the letter arrangement but for the guy who came up with this and realized, "Oh, you know what? We could be a lot more efficient. I could increase my typing speed from 60 to 200 by moving the keys and learning to type differently." Like not kidding. Like it's that better. And then it also happens to not butcher your fingers. Um, although that's still some of what they're working on. So, oh, I keep I am leaving this here cuz I want to show you some. So, what I'm going to try to do, I have a, a remapping system on my on my computer. And I'm going to turn this button, Command, which on a Mac is like your Windows key sort of, but it's also like your it-does-everything key. So we don't hit Control-C to copy. We hit Command-C, which, by the way, think about what fingers you're using for your Command-C, Command-V, all that kind of stuff. Uh, Again, you're relying heavily on – hold on. So you're typing. The article talked about it really well. Yeah, you're typing, and in order to get down there – and do like pasting. You've got to move your whole hand out of the way. Now I guess it is. I usually it's thumb, yeah. But if you're on a regular keyboard, not a Mac, you are doing your pinky. It's pinky, right? Pinky, pinky, pinky. Anyway, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to hack the keyboard I saw that I liked, which I don't want to tell you about because then you'll go buy it and they'll all be bought out and I won't be able to get one because it's a Kickstarter thing. <laughs> um, uh, I want to take this command. No, it's this one here. I'm gonna I'm gonna hotkey right command. I, gotta, I hope I can do this with my mapping system. I don't want left command involved. I just want right command, space bar, is going to become delete. I'm pretty sure it's going to be awesome. Because then, oh yeah, because then it's, when I want to delete, left thumb, command, right thumb, space bar, space bar. Oh, oh and then the pinky won't hurt anymore. Ah. Oh. I should do this. Um, the, the one that gave me this idea, they actually have a thumb key that is the backspace. Like you, it's, it sits your hands like this. And then you, um, you have, so it's like, it's gripped for your hands to hang while they type. And then, um, your, your thumbs each have like five buttons. And the first one's the backspace. Uh, and then one of them is really cool. I actually had a palm one. So you could do like your function keys just by pushing your palm down a little bit. And then your entire keyboard becomes, if you got remapping, all your hotkeys right on your home row. Huh? If you work on a, if you work on a computer and you're not looking into this, you're nuts. (laughs) You know? Ah, so uh, that'll be in mad Mondays, by the way, Uh, links to some of that information. And I'll probably throw you a picture of the keyboard. I really want. It's, it's only $325. That's why I didn't buy it. Oh my goodness. But. Pain, the pain. Um, all right. It is probably. Uh, you know what, Scott? I've heard that, and then I've heard that countermanded. So I'm not even sure. Um, so, yeah, maybe. It might be Dvorak. It m- might not be. Shouldn't matter. Uh, querty. I mean, what is the proper pronunciation of querty? Is it QWERTY or QWERTY? QWERTY. Um, I think it's now time for me to move on. I hope you have enjoyed. I want to look at your comments though. And that always makes me go further. Um, yes. Modern keyboards are based on the typewriter, uh, which to use different keys more often. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Although I'm still not sure what the letter arrangements based on. I mean, it's, it's certainly not based on use. It's weird. Um, Type entirely with your index and middle fingers. No pinkies. Thumbs are preserved. So that's that's probably going to cause you its own form of problem in the wrist eventually if you're not careful. Just, just be aware. Uh, and, and so that's – so like all the new keyboards – like look, look what I got to do with my body to type on this, right? So I'm sitting here like this. This is how I sit. And then to type, I got to do this and then hit stuff, right? So the new keyboards are like this. So you sit like this and they have a space you can as a wire, but you go between them so that you, you can, um, sit the way you sit, (laughs) squeeze your body in this little tiny space. And the big ones are bad too. If you got big, if you're small and you got the big ones, I mean, like like, trying to reach around, none of that's good for us. Uh, all right. Any other like questions about theology? Oh, that's good. Uh, didn't I hear that Luther did not want us to be called Lutheran? Yeah, there's, there's history on that. I don't know. I think we just, we lost basically. The problem was that everyone else called us Lutherans, not the Lutherans. The Catholics called us Lutherans. And at a certain point they had defined the term of who we were. And at the very least, everyone knew what it meant. Uh, they knew it meant the people who are excommunicated by the council of Trent for believing in grace and faith alone. Uh, so, so – I, but he, he definitely didn't want his name to be part of it. And this is – why did the Catholics insist on calling us this? Because heresies are always named after the guy who taught it. That's why. So we've allowed those who think we're heretics to tell us who we are, and now we're bound to that name even though it's meaningless and we have no options. And we're going to get angry at each other for even talking about the problem because somehow it threatens us. To admit it. Ah. Luther did like the fact that his name sounds like the Greek word Eleutheros, which means freedom. And for a little while, he signed his name Eleutheros, although he stopped. I don't know why, why he stopped. but uh, So, like, you know, first year seminarians like, oh, yeah, I'm a Lutheran because I'm free. That's cool. I'm going to do something like that. And no, then nothing ever happens with that. Eleutheros Church. Freedom. But see, that wouldn't do – in moralistic, therapeutic America, freedom is not the word we want to adopt. Yikes. Free conscience, perhaps. Uh, is this a reference to me talking about the flesh and blood of Jesus? Um, yeah, that's that's, that's kind of what I want to do. But you got to get from where are you, pastor, right? They're looking for a name. Um. I thought about saying evangelical Catholic again. I did that when I was first out of the SEM, and it didn't go very well. But I I might have a little more chutzpah on it now. Because the nice thing about evangelical Catholic is that, again, no one knows what to do with you when you say that. And there are small groups and corners who are wrong who use this. I think there's there's a movement like that in the LCA, but I mean, they're not defined by the term uh, not at this point. So like when you say evangelical everyone kind of thinks they know what that means. Like oh those people in the big box church. And then when you say catholic they kind of know what that means. Oh, oh those guys over there in the other big church. That's different. Like with like whistles and bells and stuff. Whistles. <laughs> Sense. Um but when you put them together they're like wait 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 the ones over there the ones over there. The ones over there the ones over there. The ones over there. The ones over there. Well what is that? You can't be both of those things. You can't be a Packers Bears fan. Who's your favorite football team? The Packers Bears. Wait a minute. Do you follow football? Yeah, I do. I've never heard of this team. Yeah, well, let me tell you about it. You know, I, I don't know. I I don't know that I really want to use that term. But it's like just for the first meeting great thing, right? I mean, I don't want to change the name on the sign. That's a lot of work. Just when you're talking to the guy who has no clue, how do you how do you get there? Evangelical Catholic. What's that? It's where we eat the flesh and blood of God. You know, that <laughs> makes me think of there's a um, there's a uh, King of the Hill episode. I didn't watch King of the Hill much, but I saw all of the clips that have to do with Christianity as people shared them with me in the early thousands. And is uh, an episode where they're like searching for a church. They want to find a new church. And I think it's because they got a lady pastor at their current church. And the sad thing is, they end up going back, which is kind of sad. But um, they go to these all these different churches, uh, and it's I know there's one where like they open the door and like this '60s Godspell rock comes out, and they just shut the door again. Um, but then uh, there's one where they're like talking about it at the dinner table, and this and this one guy's like, "You got to be a real Christian to come to my church," and it's really funny. And you don't want to do that, and Lutherans kind of do that with our little like. True doctrine, right? The way we the way we say it, not like knowing God, we have the truth. You should hear about it. Um, but there's something about the uh, the gravity that I don't think is wrong. I think we should have some gravity when we talk about who we are, because our God is not like other gods. So it's not like you have to be a real Christian to come to my ch- church. It's like, look. If you go to my church, there's a real God there. So, um, like, I mean, you're welcome, but maybe you should meet with my pastor first because yeah, it's awesome. I'm going to live forever. Come on, let's talk. <laughs> you know? uh, uh, how, how is that not what we believe? Did I just, did I, did I just do a liberal thing? Was that liberal? What I just said, was that progressive? Was that revivalistic? Was that Methodistic? No. Right? Was it Roman? No. Was it English? Yes. Yes, it was. Speak American. Um, Cool. You all, thank you for watching this morning. Those of you been here all, all morning, well, goodness gracious, what are you doing? Did you at least get yourself a cup of coffee or something? I'm going to mod some Fallout today. Bad idea, but I'm going to do it anyway. And um, if you get a chance... Echo was mentioned in the comments. It's an all right book. I'd appreciate you buying a copy. Uh, Broken. Not up there anymore. But also, I heard it's in a Reformed bookstore on the East Coast. That's pretty cool. That's kind of what I wrote it for. That's neat. So maybe pick up a copy if you haven't picked that up before. There are the end of the world stuffs. From Pastor Wolfmüller and myself, you can find that by looking for my name and my author page at Amazon.com. I've been thinking about how goodness gracious, I should probably just try to do more of those. The issue was always with there's too many typos. Blah 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 blah. Anyhow, and pick those up if you if you all buy a whole bunch of them. If that goes from the average of fifteen dollars a month or so in sales that Amazon gives me, if I see that bump up to forty five bucks for December, I'll do more. We'll get more of those done. I've got them. I've got the podcast. Just have to get it. You know, trans. Transliterated, transcribed, and then edited. And the, the trick is is transcription and theology don't go well together. Uh, uh, so there's that. Patreon. I always do appreciate your Patreon supportage. Uh, if you feel like buying me a keyboard, reach out to me. <laughs> I really like that keyboard. Um, or if you know about a good overhead attachable mic holder that won't fall out all the time. Um, and you can point me to a link where I could try to buy it. That, that would be great. Uh, what else? Mad Monday's newsletters will be in the subscription page below. Again, stuff coming up this next week. I'm going to talk about fallout a little bit in Bethesda. Uh, let's throw you a link to that uh, more about the Dvorak links and keyboards. And there's some other stuff in there too. Um, like the video 41. We could do better than that. Like subscribe, share, All that good stuff. Go to church tomorrow. (laughs) Yeah. Oh! Oh, oh! No, that'll be in the newsletter too. (laughs) Ha ha! And uh, it is hard to say goodbye to you. I do love the fact that you care what I say. I hope that what I say by and large inspires you to love your Christianity even more, to be God-honest, thankful for Dr. Luther and the Reformers of the Lutheran Confessions because of their preservation of the absolute truth for us to be a... Devout and zealous warrior for the liturgy of the church, the divine service, the reverence of ancient worship of a one true, holy and radical God. I hope that's what you get from me. And if you're not getting that from me, I'll well, stop watching. Cause that's what I'm trying to say. It's not gonna do any good to miss it. And uh or listen more carefully. I'm gonna. I remember. Do you know what I'm gonna remember? Don't wall on the muck. Rock on. Okay. No doubt, the facts been exaggerated. Well. was that worth a dollar? Click the Patreon link in the show notes to sign up. <laughs>